And thank you again not for just all your support and your backup. And I, I, I don't want this to sound like a goodbye because it's not. You're going to see me around. And so I, I'm going to be around. It's just a, a changing of assignments. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hey, our only he's a good, good this week is that Keith Hershey will be here next week. And so some of you have known Keith for a long time. He's a good, good friend with Mutual Faith Ministries. Keith's doing mission stuff all over the world. And their big project right now is in Beirut, Lebanon, sharing uh, with his Keith Hersheyisms, his little sayings that stick. And so uh, uh, be, be generous to him, be accepting, encouraging to him. Amen? He, he's, he's a good, good man. And so uh, could I have the first slide? Today we're talking about just pastor, just a baton. And uh, it's been in the process now for a couple of years. Those that are just a guest with us today. It started two years ago in March probably and maybe even before that, where I found myself getting involved with things outside of Agape and things for our association and doing some stuff in missions and then doing things, you know, family care network in the community. And, and, and I felt in a season that there was just this shift happening in what I was to focus on and to, to balance just the, the weekly and the daily things at church about stuff be stepping out and believe in things I believe the Lord was leading me into. I, I had been praying about stuff, but it was on a, a Thursday afternoon in March two years ago. I was at my brother's church. Bruce Monk is there. He's a leader of the Equippers Church Movement. It was kind of part of the apostolic church movement. It was really there in Australia. It was in the UK. It was the Welsh revival that birthed this apostolic church movement, just like Assembly of God was birthed from Azusa Street. And this apostolic church movement's gone through its phases. Bruce Monk's speaking into that transition of how to rebirth just in my new churches. And he called me out at the end, and he just gave me a word that was very strong. Just said, Mike, I sense that the Lord's calling you into a transition, and it have to do with leadership and encouraging leadership. And then this is the thing that sticks out at the end. He said, your best days are ahead. How many would like to hear that? <laughs> Not that you're done and you're on the side of the road now, Mike. Margaret. So that was Thursday. The Friday after, we're hosting AFCM, and Chandler Cleveland and I were praying for Margaret. Chandler travels around the world. God uses him prophetically in leadership. And after we prayed for Margaret, he turns to me and said, Mike, I have a word for you. And the Lord said, you're in transition. And, and he kind of laid out almost exactly what Bruce said that at the end said, your best days are ahead. So that got my attention. And then for over the course of six months after that, just different confirmations, confirmations, God was working in my heart. And uh, years ago, I really felt like Pastor Jeff was to be done, our new lead pastor, and God started working in his heart. And so over the course, this isn't nothing we've done quickly. This is something we've been praying about and planning, and he's, God's been preparing him for. Uh, he's raised up a very successful tech company. He's great leadership skills. He's a high-capacity guy. He's, uh, he's been faithful around him. He got how many years, Jeff, 17 or 18 now, he and Michelle. Um, uh, some of you might remember when he got saved. It was scary. And... Uh, <laughs> How he got saved is God delivered him from a major car accident. I mean, his story, I know God's on their life. I know God's fingerprints are on your life and his hands on your life. And that's why with full confidence today, when we pass the baton, I'm fully, fully assured that God's raising you up and has raised you up to, to be the next uh, senior leader here. And we're friends, and I, I feel so confident in, in what, the, what I feel but just, I want to just give you a little, just shortly, kind of what's been um, 
what I feel like for my next assignment, Pastor Richard, can you hand me that little fish house there from Cambodia? So, okay. And um, so this is like in Cambodia, the fish are all over the places. They're, they're, you know, in the rice paddies, they build things on stilts. Uh, on the fishing villages, the fishing islands, they build them on stilts when the tide comes in and out. And uh, Pastor Jeff and I were in Cambodia, I don't know how many years ago now, and we, we both got one of these. But to me, it's a reminder of God's house. Because Scripture says here in Ephesians 4, it says, now these are the gifts God gave to the church, or Christ gave to the church, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of be mature. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. They'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can you read that last line with me? That the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So Paul unpacks here di different gifts. And sometimes we, we look at them as titles, but I don't look at them at, as titles. I look at them as gift mix. And, and some of you carry an evangelistic like prophetic of gifting in your life. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are, are, are more like prophetic. You see things in a certain light. You have a standard, a sense of this is right, this is wrong, this is gray. This is what God's saying. You're an intercessor that way. You pray that way. Some of you have an apostolic callings on your life where you see big picture. Some of you are, when we do inner church stuff in the community, you're there because you believe in the big picture. Some of you have apostolic callings because your heart's for missions, and there's people in our church that come and go doing mission things. And so for me, over the last several years, I feel like that calling, that stirring more towards apostolic work has been in my heart. Now, I believe this is what the body of Christ, the, the four pillars represents, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. Some would think it's like a hierarchy, that you read it like the ascending, the top gift is apostle, like you work, and it's not private into general. That's not how the body of Christ works. The different gifts apply, and it's not about the titles and the gift, it's about the house. It's about the strength of the house. It's about what God wants to do in the house. And so these gifts uphold and uplift and strengthen. They provide structure for the house because God's building his house. And if you want to see the end of it, you turn to Revelation and see the new Jerusalem descending. And, and God has built that house. It's coming as his glorious bride. And we're that spiritual house. And so I'm just shifting assignments. I'm going from the pastoral side I'm going to do more big picture stuff for a while. And not that that's better. It's just different. Some of the things that God's talked to us about is helping Moni Mock in Cambodia and helping Shadrach in Kenya. And he's planting his fourth Agape church there. And so we're going to go and speak into the leadership and help encourage the leadership. It's got to be obese. Other things in the community that my heart will be here and I'll be coming and going. But, but I, I, I just got to be obedient to the things he started speaking to more some of the regional things and the community things. And it's been really tough to juggle those. And my heart's here and with you guys. But I, I feel like the Lord's been calling towards some of those other great things. And so I, I, I got to be obedient just like you do. And so I, I just believe great things are ahead for agape. But in the kingdom at large, I believe good, good things are ahead for the kingdom of God. He, Jesus said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, what, on earth as it is in heaven. 
And there's some exciting things in, that he's doing. As I was praying this week about the transition in, in 93, when Tim Orbiser asked me to be lead pastor, I had, and I told you this story before, probably a couple times, but that I had already bought tickets to go to missions, which was going to go alone, spy out the land. There was a, in my heart, I felt like this call to missions was strong and that God might want us to go work with Tim Taylor, not the tool man, another friend, and Mike Corbett and their families in the mountains of Bolivia. And so Tim says, I'm going to go back to Indiana. Our family is there. I'm going to go pastor there. I believe he should be the senior pastor. And I said, I'll go pray and you go pray. And I'll go to Bolivia and you go to Indiana. You spy out your land. I'll spy out mine. We'll come back and we'll talk. Well, we're in in Bolivia above the tree line where we started the tree line, hiked down to a village. And the most spectacular terraces. I mean, it was just beautiful country. You get in this little church. It's double translation. It's going me, English, Spanish, Spanish, Quechuan, double translation. Really, really tricky. Got about 15 minutes into it and said, guys, you got this. I'm going to go sit in the back. And so strong. I did, and I opened up my Bible to Jeremiah. And out of Jeremiah 3, the Lord just spoke so strong. He said, return unto me, O backslider, for I'm married to you. I'll take one from the city and one from the here. I forget what the city was. And I'll bring you to Zion. And I'll give you shepherds after my own heart that'll feed you with knowledge and truth. And, and he just looked to me and he said, I, this is the words he used. I wrote it in my Bible. Uh, it was in December 1993. He said this, I've set you as an elder at Agape and I'm not calling you away. And so it's interesting to me, I just thought about this week, he's just kind of up and not just pastor of Agape, but elder, because now we're helping to get other Agape churches kind of up and established and strengthened and to be serving in a role, not that I got to be the lead guy, but supply helps really feel that this season's about. And so I'd appreciate your prayer as we transition into those things. And, and you know, this next step will be in Kenya. I don't know. You know, some have, have said to me, even when I was in the Philippines, Jan and I were there in April, how was your vacation? <laughs> and people, you know, you, I put pictures on Facebook of the beaches and it looks really cool. And so some people might think, well, now you're going on glorified vacations. And, uh, but I, I tell you what, missions is exciting to me. It, I, I love it. But some of you have been on trips. I don't know. I've experienced some great things. I've seen people healed. I've seen demons cast out of people. I've baptized literally. I mean, in Kenya one time, we probably baptized 150 that week, baptized in India, baptized in many places, the mountains of Bolivia. I still remember in this cattle trough, there's no trees around us. When they're fighting in and, and this water, some of the people had never been underwater before. And so even to get it, their heads down, they're fighting us and struggling. I mean, and, and then we finally get done baptizing and we're, you know, there's just rocks and shrubs and I'm getting dressed. And here comes this young girl running down the side of the hill. She escaped to be baptized and Mike and I are naked and I on the hillside and I fall down. We tumble into a trench and finally get our clothes on, and I say, who's going to baptize her? And he, he, he did. And so stories of just how God's moved, people healed. The little boy in Cambodia that, that couldn't, little skinny guy, came in, and we prayed for him. And, and I, I, you know, we prayed for that little skinny guy. The next day, his dad comes and said, what'd you do to my son? And I said, what do you mean? He, he didn't throw up last night, and he, he is able to keep food down. Well, who are you guys? We got to tell him about Jesus, and he received Jesus that day. Me, Lord and Savior, because of signs and things that the Lord has done. And 
missions excite me, just like Sunday here excites me, but missions, I, I, I feel like the Lord is saying this is a season to put some time into that, but I just wrote a few thoughts. It, you know, if you think it's just a glorified vacation, oh, then come with us. Come with us. We're going to Puerto Vallarta in November. And Puerto Vallarta says, oh, you're going to do missions in Puerto Vallarta. Well, yeah, just come and, and you'll see. I, I have this. Fifth, missions is raising funds. Missions is foreign language. There's a plane flights and economy class in underdeveloped airports with customer service that speaks foreign languages. And it's dealing with cultural issues and unclear communications. And often there's few comforts. There's bad roads and bad cars and bad shocks and bad air conditioning. And one time, no brakes in the car. Another side broke down on the road in Kenya and a boat that broke down in the Philippines. And I remember seven of us in a gremlin with backpacks hanging out the back trying to get to an airport in Mexico. Uh, it's hot and sweaty. I remember rashes and crowded things and pell and smells of burning wood and diesel and raw sewage all mixed together. That third world smell. I love that smell. There's, there's sparsity of fresh water and poor toilets and no toilet paper. And I remember running and jumping over a wall in Bolivia just because things were moving and there was no place to hide. I remember flashlights was in holes to make sure there's no snakes coming out. And I do remember the cobra in India that was in one of the outhouses. And then there's in Zambia, oh, Cobra was in the house when we had breakfast that morning. There's weird food, there's green chicken in Kenya, pig fat and pig face in Mexico, fried crickets in Cambodia, goat made five different ways over a week in Kenya, fish heads in the Philippines, storms and rains, wet feet, wet clothes, bug bites, mosquitoes, wasps, spiders under your bed in Kenya, geckos running around your walls and jumping out from under your pillow. There's sickness. I've been on around India. We had a few trips or so and probably 20 20% of the time, something tries to get you. Uh, in India, we had a fly epidemic. I mean, they hired two people to kill flies around us for, because of a fly epidemic. It was like a plague from the Bible. Everybody got something. And then coming back from Kenya one time, whatever bug I had, the county health department called and said, don't get around food. And so those things are real. Occasionally, there's danger stuff in Bolivia. We, we got the, this, we were doing a pastor's thing and a group came and said, you guys got to leave now. They're marching on the church and it was a festival and these guys drink something out of this, you know, it's like white lightning out of this jug and then they play instruments and they were marching on the church. We ran into the darkness. I still remember sitting and looking down as they marched on the church. Tom Demery and I, after a late night meal in Kenya shared with this, this, this money on the corner of the street. When we, we asked her how much she would make that night, she told us, I said, I'm going to give you this money, and I want you to go back to your room tonight, and I want you to pray and ask Jesus if this is the life he has for you. And as we began to pray for her, the two pimps saw us and started screaming and running at us, and I was about 40 then, and I ran with my little white bond as fast as I could <laughs> in the streets of, of, of Kenya. There's, there's things that happen, bonfires block down the streets, there's, there's stuff that has happened that God's protected, and so I, I, I'm saying this for the sake of prayer, for sure, but I'm also saying this, that you know, in transition, there's people that are called and doing mission stuff. And it's exciting, and the stories are exciting, but it, 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 it's, it's the work of the ministry. It's the work of the ministry. And so the support for that and the prayer for that, and the, the, we'll never know till we stand before Jesus with the crowd of witness and impact 
we're making by the little things we've sown and the little things we've said and the little things we've done and the money we've put in and all that. And I just want to see the kingdom advance. How about you? How about you? So that's what's next for me. It's community stuff, but some of it's going to be mission stuff. And uh, I, I just appreciate that with her. And I want some of you to go with us. I, honestly, we got a trip that's going to Puerto Vallarta at, with uh, Pastor Juan. And Pastor Juan's an amazing man of God. He's built a network up outside of Puerto Vallarta. Some of you went when it was the dump church. They, they started a ministry in the city dump there. Then God blessed it. They built a building. Now he's involved with a network. I talked to him on the phone the other day. He called me. He said, are you guys coming with Pastor Charmaine in November? And I said, we, we'll think about it. I'm just going to be coming off of one trip. He said, well, bring a team. And so we're going to do outreach to the Golgotha region. But in hospital and teaching, serving, pastors, leaders workshop, there's stuff going on. That's another story. But out in the lobby, there's something about that. If that's something you'd be interested in going. But I believe missions changes lives. You get out of your comfort zone. You do things you'll remember for the rest of your life. You might eat things that you're going to Disney World. Come on, let's go, to, let's go do something for Jesus. Amen? And uh, with that, I am, I'm done with my part. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to come and to share. And then should we... So what's that? Yeah, do you want to pray first and then share? Yeah, let's do that. So let, we're, we're going to lay hands on Pastor Jeff first. And so could our elders and the board members come on up? I know we, I think we sent an email out. We, we want to receive Pastor Jeff for this next season. Like I said, he's, you know, when I was gone in April, you got to hear him share. And uh, should we come down there? You want to do it up here? Come on up. Let's just come on up if you don't mind. Hey, Corbin. Does, does somebody have some oil? I forgot to bring the anointing oil out. Anybody? Where's an essential oil studio? Thank you. Yeah, where's all the essential oil people? Pastor Jeff and Michelle, could you, could you come to the middle? Well, thank you, Lord. So we, thank you, Lord. So we see it in the book of Acts, in Acts 13, they, they said, set aside, the Lord said this, set aside Paul and Barnabas for service. And they prayed, and they laid hands on them, and they sent them. And that's something that happened. It was a practice in the early church. It was a recognition by people around that we see the calling in your life, and we bear witness to what God's going to do in your life. And so it, it, it's that side of it, us bearing witness in front of people. And I truly that we recognize the anointing of God and the call of God on your life. But there's also an impartation, and I truly believe it because we're on a commission with Jesus. He, he said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. When, when, when we pray and ask God to loose and release authority, I believe he'll do it because we're in commission with him and that we're partnering with him. And he told the disciples, you go and I'll come and confirm the word with signs following. So at that commission is always a divine partnership. It's God speaking to us, us moving in obedience to what God said, and then him backing it. And training you, convinced as they lay hands on you, this is God's will. I, I believe he's been raising you up and training you up and, and, and doing things in your life and your family. I remember the word just as years ago when we prayed that God said he would train you in the marketplace, but prepare you for his place, ministry. And, and he's done that. 
and you've been faithful and you've done a really, really good job. And I'm proud of you and I, I'm, I'm praying as we lay hands and anoint you that God's going to just uh, increase you in many, many ways. He'll increase your capacity. He, he's going to increase vision. He's going to increase favor and the things that you need. I, I'm praying that that hupomone, that word we've talked about, perseverance with an expected end, God's going to pour perseverance into you. Yes. And uh, th that thick skin where you need yes. it and a tender heart where you need it. Yes. That that combination that comes from him sometimes, that uh, the, the criticism that comes and the suggestions and the comments sometimes that come that try and wear us down, uh, that God will just protect your heart from those things. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Bill, can you come on up? Bill Johnson's uh, been pastoring, and he's been a friend of Jeff's and a mentor to Jeff. I I'd like you to lay hands on him with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, authority, under your authority, we just anoint him now, God, in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for their hearts, Lord. Thank you for their marriage. I've watched what you've done and how far you've brought them. And I thank you and praise you, God, that this is your season for them and that you would just pour into them. Pour into them, Lord. Pour into them your heart. Scripture tells us, instructs us, watch over your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. I firmly believe your heart's the most important thing you have. Friends or connections, building, yes. more important than any degrees, more important than our bank accounts or friends or connections. It's your heart. Mm. It's your heart that he tells us to watch over. Father, so I pray you give him vigilance over the things in his heart, God, the ability to weed out what's from you, what's the popular opinion, what's that you, Lord, but also to know your voice, yes. you know your voice that you would speak through him to this house, God, and beyond in this community, that you would speak through him, Lord. I pray that this community will sense your love through him, Lord, yes. that you continue to break his heart. Yes. Break his heart with compassion, God, yes. for people that don't know you, people that are broken, people that are wounded. Father, I pray for the administration, the ability to raise up Helpers and work hearts and laborers, Lord, for your kingdom, God. I, I pray in Jesus' name you'd knit other people's hearts with his. As you said to Moses, bring other elders. Bring me other elders. I'm going to put the same spirit on them that I put on you. I, I pray that you'd bring a team. I know some of them are already in place, but grow the team. His heart, Lord, for what the next vision, mission, and season for Agape is. I pray it in Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. Protect his family, Lord. Protect his kids. Protect his marriage. Protect his home, God. It's so challenging for leaders to juggle their home life with responsibilities. I pray in Jesus' name, quality time, that his kids will love this season. His kids will love that he yes. leads. Thank you for a third for you. Yes. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, his kids would be protected. Thank you for authority over the wicked one, Lord, yes. and attempts to hinder and harm those relationships in Jesus' name. I pray the same anointing would pass on to his family, yes. Lord, in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name, that they'd labor together. Thank you for it, Lord. Great things ahead. Will you stab a banner on the wall and say, victory in Jesus? I believe it. How many believe victory in Jesus? Victory in Jesus for this next season. Amen. Love you. I love you. Both of you. Good things ahead. Amen. I don't know if anybody was getting something or something they wanted to pray. This is our church board. And uh, as you can see, they're board members because of the diversity of their gifts and their perspectives. And that's why they're up here. And so, uh, Pastor Richard, go for it. Well, just on behalf of of the church and our church family, we receive your gifts. Amen. And we pledge our support and our prayer. How many say amen to that? Come on. Can you guys agree with that? Amen. And we're going to stand beside you. We're going to help you. And we're going to make a room for you to grow. And that uh, we love you guys. And it's just been exciting kind of watching it come along. And uh, I, I, what was interesting to me is when Pastor Mike prayed over the pastors in transition. So what was interesting is in your heart that the, the faces have changed, but the call on San Luis Obispo has not Amen. changed. And I know Amen. that's deep within your heart, both of you guys. Amen. And so, uh, again, just on half of the church, we love you. We are going to stand behind, going to support family and friends. Can you guys agree with that? We're just going to applaud. Okay, man. Thanks, Jeff. One the Lord's been showing me, Jeff, is that um, as Pastor Mike goes into his calling, he's going to open the windows of heaven to prepare the anointing to come back to the church. He's going to come back, and he's going to bring that anointing and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, and we need to get ready. And I I, I believe he's prepared your heart, church, to open the windows to let Agape go to a new level. And Pastor Mike's going to go a new level, opening it up for us as a church to rise up. Praise God. We trust that. What I received is... You didn't choose him. He chose you for this ministry, and he's going to equip you with everything that you need. Amen. Amen. Can we pray over Jack? I'd love that. Anybody else have anything for, for Pastor Jack? So, mm. you guys step into my mind. Mm. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> well, Father God, we just thank you. Uh, as you launch him, launch him into a new season, Father God, and and I remember the story Pastor Mike shared many times about being called as an elder. And I, we receive him, Father God, as an elder of this house, Father God. The things that you're called him to build and help with, Jan, as well, Lord God. And I thank you, Father God. We're not letting him go. He's going to continue to be here and serve our church and serve Pastor Jeff. Prayer of this family, Lord God. But we're just releasing him, Father God, with just our total support and love and prayer encouragement. Father God, just thank you in this season, Father God, the things that are before them that they don't even know yet, Lord God. Thank you for every need that they have, financially, spiritually, Father God, emotionally, Lord. And I, and I know, just as Pastor Mike just heard about the mission field, it, it sounds exciting, but it's work. And I just thank you for preparing for this, this new season and the work involved in that. Mm. And we love you guys. We're behind you. Thank you. We're not saying goodbye. Amen. They're not leaving, church. They are yeah. not leaving. Let's Can we just say? And not retiring. And not retiring. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can we just say thank you to this yeah. couple? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And back to you, and back to you for your faithfulness, your love, your support. Back to you. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. Yep, yep, yep. Do you want to say anything? 
Wow. Thanks so much. So, church, we're, we're celebrating today. Yeah. And so we call this a celebration service. And I know it's mixed feelings, yeah. that what's happening. But afterwards, we have tri-tip dinner for you. We have snow cones. And maybe just some words of encouragement for and Aaron, Pastor Mike. You. Thanks. You know, Aaron's been around here since my youth group days. And Aaron, you, you had something you shared with me. I just think it'd be good for our church. Hallelujah. I've been here since probably maybe the fifth service of Agape back in the day. Um, I just want to encourage you. Uh, we got a lot of visitors here, but how many people call this Agape home? How many people? Um, you know... People know me. I don't like change either. So, but, uh, and uh, we all love Pastor Mike. I just want to be honest with you. God's worked a, a love for Pastor Jeff in my heart. I wasn't Amen. really keen on when I heard Pastor Jeff was going to be our pastor. <laughs> I wasn't. Hey. I wasn't. I, I'm going to be real with you. But if God has called you to agape, oh. this is your home. Amen. And if you leave Agape, you're not going to be blessed oh, if you leave. Preach that. <laughs> if you, he's called you here. You need to listen to God's voice. Yeah. If God told you to be here, this is your home. Yeah. If you get offended, you don't leave Agape. Blessed until God tells you to go somewhere else. Amen. This is your home. You're not going to be blessed somewhere else until, you, until God tells you to go somewhere else. Amen. Be in prayer for our pastor yeah. and his family. Amen. I've been praying, yeah. and I believe there's going to be some great things to come. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. We need to be a supply of the Spirit every day for Pastor Jeff and his family, yeah. and, I, and I, I'm excited. Amen. I mean, I've, I've told him I'm excited. It's not ex I'm excited because Pastor Mike's leaving. No, I'm excited. No, this is a God thing. Yeah. This isn't Pastor Jeff and Pastor Mike doing their own thing. No, this is a God thing, and, I, right. and I'm excited. So be prayed up. The yeah. enemy's going to try to do some garbage like he always tries to do. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> yeah. But guess what? As believers, we need to be listening to God and obey it. So you know this fivefold thing? You just heard from the prophet right there. That was from the prophet. That's the truth. Amen. The bag of object lessons will continue. In the presence of the Lord, I would like to make three um, solemn commitments to you and before the Lord. The first one is to love authority. My biggest sin before coming to Christ was rebellion. I rebelled against my parents. I rebelled against any authority. I wanted to do things my own way. Not only, but one thing that Jesus has done in my life is he's not only boxed, he hasn't boxed me into a set of do's and don'ts. He's allowed me to understand and to know the hand of a good shepherd to know what it's like to be led by still waters. To know what it's like to be led through the valley of the shadow of death. To know what it's like to be led up mountains when it's dark and cold 
to know what it's like to be led into meadows where the sun is shining and the creation is yearning and awing at the majesty of the Father. I have learned to love the authority of Jesus in my life. And I will only be as good a leader as I am a follower of him. This commitment to follow Jesus with my whole heart. You know, Pastor Mike gave me this um, funny home decoration. It doesn't good at sit with my wife's interior design. Just going to let you know. But it sits on the highest mantle point in our living room. And uh, if you ever seen a school of fish swim, they swim in harmony. Now, there is a fish that's leading, but when you look at it, you see a school of fish swimming in harmony. And that's one thing I've learned from Pastor Mike, is it hasn't been about him. It hasn't even always been about agape. When brokenness is over there, most people go like, that's broken over there. And Pastor Mike's heart, he just turns and he goes to brokenness. To cry with joy over every victory. To swim with Jesus, sometime with his people. To be at the impulse of his love. And sometimes, this is what Pastor Mike did, so I'm repeating it. Sometimes following Jesus means you have to swim upstream. You have to swim against the crowd, feel like, probably in small ways and big ways. But when I have to swim against the crowd to follow Jesus, I'll make every effort to do it gently and to change course with tenderness in my heart so that we can all end up like this again, just maybe like that. Because I'm always right. No, I'm kidding. Um, I love you, Pastor Mike. You've been an easy leader to follow. And you will remain my pastor. I love the way that you lead. I love the way that you love people. And I love that your heart is always just less than an inch below the... I've learned to cry with joy over the gospel in people's lives. And I want you to know that um, I have an assignment to help you finish all the way. To see God's best plans and His perfect will come to pass in and through your life. It's not just a handoff. Your hand's not coming off the baton. Um, elders, can you just stand for just one other minute? One other. Yeah, the church board. The church board. Um, I also love the authority that you have in my life. And God has placed you here around Pastor Mike and around me to help us all get where we need to go with wisdom and faith and purity and charity. Honor your Lord and your gifts and your expressions, your creativity, your honor, your loyalty, your fidelity to Christ, and your wisdom. So 
if I'm going, if I'm being a fool, come on. I need you. Pastor James, thank you. And God has also put others in my life as mentors and coaches like Pastor James Johnson Hill and Jim Mendenhall and Clayton Cullen and Richard Ayers and a number of other pastors on the Central Coast and my parents who are here. I love you and I love your authority in my life. Um, and uh, I have a tre- we have been given a treasure of friends and to speak into our lives. Um, and I just uh, also, and those more broadly really recognized in the body of Christ that God has raised up. Just to, in loving authority, it means to continue to learn from those who have wisdom, from those who are raised up. God's not just raising up leaders here. He raises up leaders everywhere. And to honor them, to learn from them. And uh, I, I do want to say, um, Pastor Bill and Judy, um, they have uh, discipled Michelle and I for 15 years. And they're not part of our association. They don't get any poured ends. Nobody will, when they come back and say, wow, thank you for, you know, the thousands of hours you've poured into these two. Um, it's been a... Just even met them. Judy was a professor of mine at Cal Poly. And uh, the first day in class, I'm letting her chatter away about uh, educational justice and fair assessments. And I'm sitting there, and I can just see the joy of the Lord. And I didn't hear anything she said. I was just looking at the joy of the Lord. And I come up, and I didn't even, and the Lord is like prompting, you need to go talk to her. And I go up, and I don't know what to say, and so I'm just standing there kind of at the front of the desk, and I look down, and I see this trifold pamphlet that says Charis on it. Hi, gift of the Spirit, the grace of God. And I said, oh, hi, well, wh- what's that? And she says, we start talking about, uh, we start talking about the Lord. We, she, they were at planting a church in Santa Maria area, and uh, you need to meet my husband. And from there, they have just become like with um another mom and dad to us. And we've learned what it means to follow Jesus with passion and focus and discipline. And I'm going to say they have, uh, when God called them to a, a special supportive and renewal ministry to help struggling churches, they went before the leadership of their denomination and said, you know, we think God is calling us to this. And the denomination says, oh, that's great. We really think you should do that. We just can't pay you for it. And so they did it anyway. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And your life has discipled me. Thank you. The, um, the second commitment that I want to make is uh, John chapter to be friends first. Jesus in John chapter 15, he said, he's talking to his disciples and he says, you are my friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business and and instead I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And just like what I hope for my own children, for Aaron and Abigail and Joshua, 
I long for the day when we can become this friends. And Jesus has made us and called us friends. And that's, you know, when, when Pastor Mike's in the pulpit in his messages, he would say, in your life and in my life, and he'd be teaching about a point, in your life and in my life. It was this, there's no performance to it. He really is no, like, he, he really sees and saw us all as friends going the same way with Jesus. And so, you know, he, um, he has lived humbly and transparently from this pulpit. He brought husband Mike and dad Mike and volleyball Mike and missions Mike and jokester Mike and ping pong Mike. That's where I met Pastor Mike, was playing ping pong at Pastor James's bachelor party. Um, and uh, I knew that I was playing against a man of God because I just had never lost in ping pong. Mike and... Oh, I'm, and uh, he's brought my San Diego Chargers should join the Junior Football League, Mike. And he's, he's brought Encourager, Mike, and Geologist, Mike. And I left a good job at Sohio Petroleum to be a youth pastor, Mike. Can form California Dreamin', Mike, and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, Mike. My twin brother is a prophet, Mike, and former pothead, Mike, and raised Catholic, Mike, and missions, Mike, and apostolic, Mike. And it's on the final exam, people, Mike. And is he not, Mike, and who you are in Christ, Mike, and God is so good. He's a good, good father. He's a good Jesus. He's a good, good spirit, Mike. And he's preached the story of Nehemiah for the 18th time, Mike. And my personal favorite, he's been our friend. And so I'm going to bring all my Jeffs. But the first, Jeff, is friend. And that's vulnerable, that's authentic. You'll see what I see. If it's ugly, you'll see it. We're all Because I know ugly and darkness don't win. When the light comes in, we're all in this together. And the third commitment that I want to make is to nurture God's grace. One of the things Pastor Bill did for me is he, over and over, he would tell me, you should, you should really pray and ask God for a, a, a mission statement, a personal mission statement. And my first stab at it, I remember I, I called him up, I think it was, and he said a month to pray through it. And I, you know, I can't even remember what it was because it was so long. And I get done and he said, well, that was wordy. And over about a year, it got down to um, my personal mi mission statement is to relentlessly nurture God's potential in people. It's not our potential. It's His potential. It's His gift and grace in us. He does the inner work. He does the real work. It's us to, up to us to nurture it, to catch it for it. And God's grace isn't just on people. It's on churches and bodies, communities. He's given us graces. And graces, it's a, you know, the Bible says that God's ends are without repentance. It means they don't need to be retooled and rechanged and sent back and exchanged for other ones. 
When he gives a gift, it's given, and it produces life, and it bears fruit in your life and in the life of our church. And I think about the graces of God like a baby. Service, right, as a baby grows, you change its clothes, but you don't change the baby. So our services, they probably look different now than they did 20 years ago, and they'll probably look different in 20 years than they do now. The baby might get a change of clothes from time to time. But the baby won't change. The banner of agape love is going to be over this place forever. Our mission to reach, teach, and release, which is the way God personalized the great commission to go and make disciples from every nation in the earth, is not going to change. It doesn't need retooling. It doesn't need remarketing doesn't need rewording. He graced and gave it to us, and it bears fruit in our life, and it holds us accountable to the truth and sufficient in our scripture because it's personal and it's made and real to us. And the other graces, I believe God's given our church five graces. There's probably more. There's probably many more, but five. A word of faith, a place of presence, a heart for people, a ministry of the Spirit, and a kingdom culture. He's given us a word of faith. When I first came here, I heard prayer like I've never heard before. We've seen mountains moved in Jesus' name. Faith is not just getting us to heaven. It's bringing heaven to earth. Our faith changes things. Our faith declares things and decrees things. Our faith does warfare. Because the name of Jesus is powerful, and the King of Kings is always coming. He's given us a place of presence that we don't just go through an order of worship, and there's nothing wrong with that, we, but we don't recite a list of things. When we come, He's the main attraction. We don't just perform great songs to get an emotional high. We're making way and entering into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. That's why we're looking and we're searching and we sit up here. Sometimes we just have to take it because, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but you're here. We're yielded to you. We're surrendered to you because in His presence is fullness of joy. In His presence, we're all getting touched by the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue to do that. He made a well of His presence in this very place. It doesn't need tooling. It doesn't need remarketing, rewording, redoing. It's a grace, and it's a gift. He's given us a heart for people. We have programs like every church. We have ministries. We have things. We've administrated some of them well, and some of them we probably even don't know how they ended. But I know that even as we grow in those areas, I know that we have a heart for people, not just people that look like us already, that talk like Jesus, smell like us. We have a heart for people, and it's God-given, and it's in the name of Jesus. We've been given a ministry of the Spirit. We recognize that the, the mission of our church is spiritual. And that we can only accomplish it through spiritual means. That we are higher than a supernatural community. 
that as we pursue love and we earnestly desire the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that that's where, to borrow a catchphrase, that's where the magic happens. And it's not magic like a genie. That's where the supernatural happens. That's where bridges are crossed that cannot be crossed. That's where language barriers are crossed that cannot be crossed. That's where things that the medical community say can't be healed, delivered, or crossed. I, I say, I have seen right in this very place a lady who hadn't walked in is here, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is here. I'm not saying that we have a corner on the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying that we make room for Him and then He moves through us all. And the last is a kingdom culture. Paul teaches in Galatians chapter 3, in this new kingdom life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he's a reading of in all of us. You know, a casual reading of that means that, wow, my identity has been stripped when I walked in the church. I've been homogenized and turned into a robot. Every, everything that's about me has been stripped away, and all it is is this little kind of figurine of six-inch tall baby Jesus that living in my heart, right? No. What it means is that the disadvantages that we face in the world don't hold us back in the kingdom. The labels that we have in the world aren't there in the kingdom. The things that have kept us down, whether they be personal, acute, or institutional, don't have merit in the kingdom. It also means that the privilege they feel and that we have, and then sometimes are unaware of, that we have in the world, they don't prop us up in the kingdom. A kingdom culture is where the real you is celebrated. We become one together. With uh, When I've asked, I got to meet with some uh, just missionaries with uh, crew and InterVarsity over the last few weeks as we're praying for campus ministry. Um, and, you know, I always ask them, I said, you know, what do you, what do you, uh, what's your perception of agape? Because they don't, I mean, most of the leaders don't come here. Um, and I just, every time they say, oh, well, we heard it's the most diverse church in San Luis. And I just say is we're not diverse for diversity's sake. We're diverse for kingdom's sake. It's because it's what the Lord's did. We didn't set out and say, oh, this would be a great idea. We almost, God sent us the right mix of people, and all of a sudden we started to see the fruitfulness and what's coming alive in you and, and me and the creativity and just the richness of the gospel and the gifts that He has given all different cultures and backgrounds and people from this side and that side. We have every side, and we recognized it as a baby we have to nurture. And so we're going to continue to honor, to celebrate, and to become the people of God. That when people see agape, look a little more like heaven 